pleasure to be with you here this morning. Cal um, Ferguson is here representing the United States Agency for International Development. USAID is perhaps less understood and appreciated than one might expect. USAID and the people who work for it represent the best of America. The desire and the determination to share American resources and expertise with countries seeking to become self-reliant and leaders of their own development, that is USAID's mission. USAID focuses, among other things, on inclusive economic growth, education, and health care. The agency was founded in the Kennedy administration, bringing together several pre-existing assistance programs that had begun in the immediate post-World War II era. Mr. Ferguson is USAID's acting, acting assistant administrator for the Middle East, overseeing AID's efforts in 10 countries. The American University in Cairo, which I represent here in Washington, is honored to be one of USAID's partners in Egypt. Prior to USAID, Mr. Ferguson was with the International Republican Institute, IRI, for 13 years. He helped Afghanistan prepare for parliamentary elections and for its first presidential election. He was also in Iraq as IRI's Director of Operations for its program there. Please join me in welcoming Hal Ferguson. And the chairperson didn't use Wofford to have this role. Um, she's too modest to say that she's the, the link is that she's the director of the Washington office of the American University in Cairo. This is America's largest university abroad anywhere in the world. And it's uh, second in longevity uh, to the American University in Beirut. Thank you, sir. Uh, Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Thank you, Cynthia, for the kind introduction. As, as you know, USA is very proud of our long history of partnership with the American University in Cairo. And thank you, Dr. Anthony, for the invitation to speak uh, at the U.S. Arab Relations, uh, at National Council on U.S. Arab Relations. Um, I want to extend a special, uh, a special welcome to the, the students, fellows, and young professionals in the audience here thinking of working in, in foreign affairs. I now work at USAID, and as you just heard from Cynthia, I, I also work at the USAID Implementor, and it's, it's an incredibly rewarding career. Um, I'm not here as a recruiter, though. I'm here to talk about what we do at USAID and our vision for helping communities uh, along their journey to self-reliance. USAID has a long history of assistance in the Middle East. In Egypt, for example, we provided nearly $30 billion since 1978 for programs in education, health, economic development, and governance. These programs were designed in coordination with and in support of Egyptians to ensure that future generations will have the tools to succeed. USAID's programs have directly supported everything from the elimination of polio to building modern sewer systems in Cairo and Alexandria. The needs in the region have been great over the decades, and our response has been huge. It continues to be huge. The United States has consistently been the largest contributor in Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. 
that have contributed $1.2 billion in humanitarian aid for Yemen since just fiscal year 2017. And since the start of the Syrian crisis, the United States has provided more than $9 billion in humanitarian assistance, both in Syria and in neighboring countries, where Syrian refugees find, find uh, temporary homes. Now, those are big numbers, uh, but we believe the purpose of our work is not to feed conflicts conflict with humanitarian assistance and perpetuity or to create dependence. We believe that the purpose of foreign assistance is to end the need for foreign assistance. Before I go on, I want to share just one story that illustrates what those big dollar figures mean to the people on the ground. Our mission in Beirut just released a beautiful video from Northern Lebanon with no script, just the words of one of the people we help, a farmer named Heiko. The video begins with Heiko in his home talking about the loss of a loved one. He says, quote, I raised her on my own. I watched her grow. And blink of an eye, I lost her. She died first, he says. It's not until the video moves outside with Heiko walking through his apple orchard that he realizes he's talking about one of his trees. But this is his livelihood. And he had been leaving, he had been losing his trees for lack of water until a local agriculture cooperative received a small USA grant to support an irrigation project in his community. That grant helped the cooperative and local municipality install a pump and distribution pipe from a nearby artificial lake. Farmers install their own branch pipes and modern systems. Now that the system is in place, 77 farmers, just like Heichel, have reliable irrigation and a cooperative will maintain that system into the future. The American people contributed just $149,000 to Heichel and his cooperative as part of a much bigger project that will help as many as 600,000 Lebanese. But it's Heichel and his neighbors who are the ones who are changing Lebanon by using our assistance to strengthen their own country and their own economy. My boss, USA Administrator Mark Green, reminded us recently that development needs to be dialogue. It's not a monologue in which USA shows up already with all the answers. His remarks were in the context of some of our expanded work in northern Iraq, where we're trying to listen more to local communities there as we try to improve our response to the genocide and displacement caused by ISIS. We're working with ethnic and religious minorities or what the Iraqis call component communities, not only because pluralism is important to Americans, but because Iraqis themselves tell us that these communities are essential components of Iraqi society. If ISIS extremists are allowed to destroy these fragile communities, the larger mosaic of Iraqi society will be weaker. That is only part of what we're doing in Iraq. We're working to improve the country's election system and governance. We're investing in its economy, and we're helping alleviate the possible water crisis. But rehabilitating these towns and villages in northern Iraq, purged of their original inhabitants by ISIS, gets at what is truly great about USA's work, and also what is very challenging and very difficult. You may have heard that the Trump administration is taking a close look at how and where we deploy foreign assistance as part of our overall foreign policy. We are reviewing how we spend U.S. taxpayer money and strive to better show the impact we're having. We don't want paid to prop up broken systems or frozen conflicts. We want to be sure that our assistance is really helping people and is part of a movement towards peace, prosperity, and stability. In Syria, we found with our assistance review that other partners in the region were willing and able to step up and fund a larger share of the needs there. We're still working in Raqqa and 
surrounding areas. They were providing humanitarian aid throughout Syria. And now, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and other members of the Defeat ISIS coalition are taking a bigger part in paying for stabilization programs in East Syria. To the tune of about $150 million in recent contributions. In Yemen, the need is great, and the large U.S. contribution I cited earlier is not, to, is not going to meet that need by itself. And there, too, our international partners are also stepping up. But nothing will be enough if the conflict continues to feed a humanitarian disaster. As in Syria, Yemen needs to find a political solution. Only once that is in place, Yemen and its partners, including the United States, can move on with the real work of development and restart the country on its road to self-reliance. What do we want to get from foreign assistance in Yemen, Iraq, Syria, elsewhere? Well, first, we haven't forgotten that our humanitarian assistance is an example of American values, including our generosity. We're proud of our brand and happy that it's clear USAID from the American people. But our assistance is much more than an expression of our generosity, charity. It's an important part of our American foreign policy and crucial to our security. We're willing to invest in other countries and their journeys to self-reliance as part of our mission to bring about a free, peaceful, and prosperous world. Strong, stable countries make good partners and enhance American security. Prosperous countries that listen to and meet the needs of their own citizens are a bulwark against extremism. There's a misconception sometimes about how we go about foreign assistance. Some of you might think that most of the money goes directly to foreign governments and they get to decide how to spend it. But most of our help goes to projects that directly benefit people like Michael. And every activity needs to have a plan for sustainability. We want to know that the local communities will take over the projects and continue to work long after American money stops falling. That's the reason that USAID funds so many scholarships and provides other support for institutions like the American University of Colorado, the American University of Beirut, and the Lebanese American University. We believe that the graduates of those and other fine schools will change their countries by working with their local communities, and we're proud to support them. For those of you who attended this conference last year, at that time, USA told you the story of three girls who attended a pilot program supporting science, technology, engineering, math, or STEM schools in Egypt. The girls went on to win global intel science fairs. More importantly, from USA's perspective, the government of Egypt is now supporting the STEM program and scaling it up nationwide without our assistance at all. I asked our current mission for an update before today, and I'm happy to report that all three girls are continuing their STEM studies in universities in Egypt and the U.S., and two receive full scholarships. It's girls like this that represent Egypt's future. You may have seen pictures of Melania Trump recently visiting Giza, the Sphinx, on her recent trip. The woman next to her in most of those photos was USA Mission Director Sherry Carlin. You may not have heard it from the news coverage, but this was not just a nice photo op. USA has invested about $100 million over the years in antiquities and tourism programs in Egypt, including a project to lower the groundwater around the Sphinx to help preserve that natural monument. Our long-term engagement in the Middle East and North Africa is not going away anytime soon. But unlike the Sphinx, our insistence is not forever. We're serious about transitioning our relationships with countries from donor and beneficiary to real partnership. If a country demonstrates that it's committed to its journey to self-reliance, USA wants to assist them along that path. We prioritize 
capacity reform, strengthening country capacity and commitment, attract private enterprise government initiatives, and help our partners mobilize their own resources. How do we do that? Well, as I said before, we start by listening to the communities themselves we want to help. We'll tell you what that looks like in one USA program in some of the most disadvantaged communities in Tunisia. Where unemployment is high and youth unemployment is even higher. And rather than move into these communities with a big infrastructure project or a big works program, a monologue with USA having all the answers, we ask the young people themselves to need mapping projects for their own communities. We want them to tell us what they need. And with that input, USA supported a number of small, simple, practical projects which for the rehabilitation of the community park and city museum creation of two local youth radio stations, and there were a shore and calf and four community cleanup campaigns. We heard about the impact of these projects on the young people themselves. We heard about how it changed the life of Ferraz, a young woman who trained in a, as a boxer at the USA-supported youth sports complex and went on to win gold medals at regional and national competitions. Ferraz in Tunisia and the Egyptian STEM students, Heiko the Farmer, they're the future of the the journey of the self-reliance is a long one, and it's a hard one for progress and setback. And it may be driven, and but it must be driven, by the people in the region. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow or next year, and it's not something that we as Americans can make happen all on our own with the help of Tunisians, Egyptians, Iraqis, and all the many peoples in the Middle East. But together, we improve lives, we promote peace, and we work towards a better future. Thank you all for being Thank you. 
etc., whether it's a conflict zone or not. Great. Thank you very much. I covered a lot of ground. <laughs>